Today we're going to talk about the humanitarian crisis in Portland. That is the unsheltered homeless crisis here in Portland. We have three individuals to discuss the current reality and a path forward. First up, Keith Wilson, candidate for Portland City Council Position 4. Keith has spent the past two years traveling the country, meeting with mayors, homeless service agencies, and experts, and affordable housing specialists to bring solutions to Portland. Locally, he volunteers one-on-one -on -one with the houseless to provide assistance to help become housed. Keith currently is the owner and president of Titan Freight Systems, a regional transportation company. We also have Cameron Witten, a community activist, small business owner, nonprofit executive, and candidate for Metro Council District 5. Cameron overcame homelessness as a Portland youth and has spent the past decade giving back to the same community that helped him when he needed it. They are a founder of Racial Justice Nonprofit Brown Hope and most recently served as the executive director of Portland's LGBTQ Plus Community Center, the Q Center. And we also have Mark Johnson. Mark is one of our nation's most knowledgeable and respected experts on homelessness. Mark worked for over 30 years at the federal level where he helped design and implement the nation's homelessness programs in every administration from Reagan to the Obama administration. For the past six years, Mark has been working directly with individual communities and states to reduce and end homelessness. Mark served as a Deputy Assistant Secretary, Department of Housing and Urban Development for Homeless Programs from 2007 to 2014. President Obama appointed Mark to serve as the Assistant Secretary overseeing homelessness and other community development programs from 2012 to 2014. Good morning, all. Can you hear me? Good morning, Emily. Emily, can you hear me? I can hear you, Keith. Good morning. Good morning. Mark, can you hear us? Good morning. Excellent. And Cameron, are you there? Sorry, what did you say, Emily? <laughs> Cameron. It's too early <laughs> for humor. <laughs> Thank you all for being part of the show this morning. Keith, let's start with you. How did you three come together? All right. You said at the point there about two years ago, lifelong Portlander, and really the last several years, our homelessness or our unsheltered rate hadn't really been improving that our economy had. And having led Titan, my company, through the recession, and we had really begun to succeed and do well. But when I looked at our company's success and then I looked at our city's success, we weren't enjoying the same sort of success or rebound or recovery. Um, and it was our growing and persistent homelessness that really you could see it and I wanted to learn more really started thinking about moving from the private to the public sector and considering a run at government and then I began benchmarking what was going on in Portland versus other cities in the nation it's always what I've done with my business in other words if you've got a problem don't try and solve it yourself see where best practices are in other locations and then try and bring those into your business so I started that same process, and about a year ago, uh, I read about New Orleans and the success that they had after Katrina. They had 10,000 homeless souls on the street after that catastrophe, but within a, a year or two, they had a real dynamic homeless services coordinator, and she had taken that number down to 1,000, and that piqued my interest, and I thought, how can you go from 10,000 to 1,000? You know, what do you do? And so I called her up and 
she said, come on by. And so I was uh, on business down south, and I went by to visit the offices in New Orleans to sit down and talk and find out how can we do this. And on a chance meeting, Mark was there and uh, struck up a conversation and then started to learn who he was. And I thought, this is an extraordinary person. And then we exchanged numbers. I called him up. I've had business in Salt Lake City. I'd visited home. And I would tell him about problems we were experiencing in Portland, like 52% of our arrests in Portland are of the homeless. And he would say, Keith, uh, the mayor's office and San Diego, they've got a solution. And so I would go to San Diego and visit and spend uh, a couple weeks with their homeless services agencies to learn that. So he's been a great person to help me uh, go through our Portland issues and or challenges, and then he would be able to put best practices around the nation that I could talk to others to learn. And then every time I started talking to a homeless services agency here in Portland or I would volunteer somewhere or I would talk to a friend, they would say, have you met Cameron? And it seemed like every time I would go somewhere to learn, Cameron's name would be brought up. And so I finally met him, and he's got a great story. Uh, so that really is how the three of us have come together. And then we're putting on a town hall on Thursday night, and we'll really take time in a comprehensive fashion to lay out what's going on in Portland, what's going on around our nation, how can we change our outcome in Portland, and really address what we feel is a humanitarian crisis in Portland and really try and address the root cause in that. So um, Cameron's here to really focus on, you know, his lived experience. He's got a great story. And then with my experience with problem solving and taking complex problems and resolving them, that's through my private. I want to really try to bring that into public. And then uh, Mark is our our sage as advisor. He is one of the most knowledgeable experts in our nation. So I think we've got a great triumvirate there ready to uh, help Portland out. Cameron, tell us about your lived experience with homelessness in this community. Thank you, Emily, and thank you, X-Ray, for allowing us to be here today to talk about such a critical issue that is on the top of the hearts and minds mm -hmm. of so many people in our community, whether business owners, nurses, teachers, students, Everybody understands that we are dealing with a crisis with our housing system. And also what we're seeing with the coronavirus, this pandemic, is that what for some people thought that we had cracks in our safety net, we are dealing with chasms and people are falling through. Uh, from my own lived experience, at one point I was an 18-year-old homeless youth on the streets of Portland for two nights. I mean, for two months, I spent every single night uh, worrying whether I would be turned away from a shelter bed and have nowhere to go. You know, I lived at the margins of society with real daily struggles, and it gave me a unique perspective that you typically don't see on the radio or you see at City Hall. Mm -hmm. But I also saw the best of Portland, and it was thanks to the generosity of local nonprofits, you know, I had the resources so that I could find housing and to define my own future. The reality is, is that we know that Portland has a caring spirit. We have compassion and we take action. We have seen that with the you know, Joint Office of Homelessness and Housing Services. We've seen that with the city's you know, declaration of a citywide housing emergency. We've seen that with the state passing a historic funding for homeless services. We've seen that now with Metro being a champion 
or regional homeless services. So we know that we want to take action, but we have to look at the realities. We have to look at the data. And we know that statewide, homelessness is increasing. Poverty is increasing. And the number of people on our streets has stayed flat. That's 2,000 people. We know in 2018, 92 people died. 90 people died because of homelessness here in Portland. And so we know even with the amount of resources that we've put towards homelessness and housing services, people are dying. Mm -hmm. And when I was at Q Center, I served as the executive director for two years, serving our LGBTQ plus community. And for some folks, some allies, you know, the, there's an assumption that marriage equality has been passed, there are some protection, protections you know, on the federal level. We have gotten equality when it comes to LGBT plus identity. Mm-hmm. And I can tell folks that every year I served as executive director for Q Center, we had to hold a vigil for a houseless trans woman who was killed on the streets of Portland every year. And we're talking about trans women who are a fraction of our population, but are extremely overrepresented when it comes to houselessness, violence, and being killed by their fellow community members. And so we're dealing with a crisis, and we know what we're currently doing is not working. And it saddens me so much to see that we are failing to save the lives of Portlanders, and we know we can. And so uh, part of my experience, as many of y'all listening will know, is that at 21 years of age, I took my vision down to City Hall, and for two months, I went on a hunger strike, calling our leaders to take action to save lives. Uh, we have seen models happen. I've talked to Mark, and he'll talk a little later, and I asked him, have you seen anywhere else in the United States where we've seen organizations like Dignity Village and Right to Survive do the work that they do? And he said no. And we know that that work has saved lives. At the time when I did that hunger strike, Rights Regime 2 was serving over 90 people per night. 90 people per night, giving them safe shelter, safe place to sleep, food, sanitation, access to services. And that cost $16,000 a year. That was it. Compared to putting a family of four into shelter for a year, it cost about 20000 So we had 90 people per night being served for $16,000 a year. And so considering that we have 2,000 people on our streets and we know how bad the problem is, is that now the Joint Office has actually declared a couple of weeks ago that they are starting these emergency outdoor shelters. Mm -hmm. And because of my lived experience and because of my track record of advocating for others, I have said to the Joint Office, and I'm urging Portlanders also to say, we cannot have these emergency shelters closed after the pandemic is over. We can close these shelters, that emergency outdoor shelters down when we've actually ended our housing crisis. We needed to do this a long time ago. I'm glad that we're finally doing something. It shouldn't have taken a pandemic for us to take action, but we can't stop after the coronavirus has passed. Mm. Mm. So, Keith, in your research and your discovery process that you've been going through, what are, what are some of the root causes uh, for our homeless and houseless community here in Portland? the the root cause there's there's generally three of them it's addiction or mental illness and oftentimes it's the lack of treatment so it's these cycle process that these individuals go through and then of course 
the one that we all experience, no matter what walk of life we are, is the lack of affordable housing in Portland. Um, those are really the root causes that that lead to homelessness, and then, of course, the unsheltered, and then how we address it at that point. Let me kind of cover it in three ways. And so while those are the root causes, let's focus on how we're going to address that. And so Cameron was right. Our system's not working. And one of the things that I spoke about with Mark and Cameron is this notion that allowing people to live on our street is compassionate. And we all want to change that. That notion is a false narrative because to Cameron's point, you know, allowing people to die on our streets is not compassionate at all. And so let's talk about the root cause of the unsheltered part. So while the addiction and mental illness, lack of affordable housing, those are the, the inputs, what happens, but it's also our city and how we're addressing it or how we're not addressing it. And so when I look at the information and the data, because that's as a business person, I want to know, well, what, what's the data points? What's, what's the uh, information? And so 35% of our unsheltered on our Portland streets are homeless upon arrival. In other words, because we're not managing our laws, we're a destination. It's amazing when you think about it. 35% of our unsheltered are homeless upon arrival to Portland. They're not from Multnomah County. And so the unsheltered homeless increased 22% this last two years. It's the unsheltered that we're seeing, and that's really what's compromising the quality of life for both the homed and the homeless. It's not our emergency shelters. So Transition Project, our largest shelter system, and the Joint Office of Homeless Services, they're doing a great job. They've reduced emergency shelter and transition, transitional housing by 21%. It really comes back to our city and our unsanctioned camping laws that aren't being managed. So the, the mayor and the council have pulled back the police. Whenever I talk to police and I interview them, they always say they are notified by their superiors they are not to intercede and address encampments, and yet encampments are illegal in our city. But that's only one thread. If we're going to be a decent, caring city, exactly what Cam had mentioned, excuse me, exactly what Cameron had mentioned, is we have a moral obligation to care for our most vulnerable. And that's really what led me to Mark. And Cameron's right. So we use these emergency shelters to address the coronavirus, but there are options that I've researched in our nation and around the world. And what I've come back to are pop-up shelters or temporary shelters. And these are low cost. You're gonna use a parking structure. You're gonna use a community center. You're going to use a structure next to a gym. If we can find these locations and use them, and they have bathrooms and showers, so we can give somebody a decent night's sleep where they can really sleep safe and not have to worry about attack or having their gear stolen. So somebody with mental illness sleeping out of doors with one eye open, it's only going to aggravate a mental illness and then not be able to live in a, a, a safe or a sanitary situation. It just feeds this cycle where they're not able to get a job or help with addiction treatment or things of that nature. Or a, a young person who just aged out of foster care, when their next step is out onto the street and weren't able to provide safe sleep, we need to, as a city, first of all, recognize that allowing people to sleep on the street is not compassionate. 
their life expectancy is 47 years old. Ours is mm -hmm. 77. Uh, second, our city has to come together and we have to have the, the mayor and council, police, fire, justice, and homeless services agencies work together. In Boise, they have 61 unsheltered on the street last night. And when I interviewed the mayor in Boise and asked him why, and he says, you're not managing your overall system. You have to uphold your laws as a civil society. And then he says, but you have to provide safe sleep through your shelter, shelter systems. And that's what's really led me to Mark and I don't want to I don't want to really talk anymore he's, he's really the expert in this fashion so Mark for asking him yeah Mark let's bring you into this what does your experience tell you about Portland so my uh, first work visit to Portland was exactly 30 years ago I was mm -hmm. there in 1990 because we had selected Portland as one of the small number of cities where we wanted to try some interesting things in a national demonstration on homelessness. Homelessness back then had just emerged as a national problem. And since then, since 1990, I've been there off and on, uh, most recently last year. And during that time span, I certainly observed that Portland has been a place that's tried very hard to be strategic and effective in confronting this really challenging problem of homelessness. And as I reflected on it, you know, one example would be the efforts that Portland and Multnomah did in trying to reduce and end veteran homelessness about four years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, Portland certainly has challenges, like a very large unsheltered population that Keith has been describing and Tamara has seen. So it's, for me, it's really encouraging that there are people like Cameron and Keith who are really focusing on this as a problem because it. I have seen around the country that it can be turned around. And why is it important to focus on unsheltered homeless? Well, the challenge with being outside is two things. First of all, for the individual, it's a really horrible place to be. You are often attacked, you get sick much more quickly, and you're much more likely to die. Uh, we have been tracking this for years, and the longer you stay on the streets, the more likely are, you are to die very prematurely, mm -hmm. 10, 15, 20 years earlier. And for the community, it's incredibly expensive. You, you'd think, well, if you're living outside, you're not costing anybody anything, but you really are. Seattle found that they looked at the people that had been outside for a long time, and it cost over $80,000 a year for a person to live outside because they were calling and going to the ER and detox, mental hospitals, all sorts of public institutions that are not designed to solve or confront homelessness. Mm -hmm. So it's a gigantic cost for the person as well as for the community to allow the unsheltered population to grow. And in, in Portland, about half of all homeless people Outside. And Mark, will pop-up shelters work? Well, the challenge with homelessness is you need to reduce the number of people living outside because of the reasons I just shared. And to do that, ideally, you have enough housing. But in essentially every city in America, there is not enough affordable housing for people to come to. So then the next best thing is that you have shelters. And the challenge is many communities don't have enough shelter space, don't have enough shelter beds for people to come into. So the, the really intriguing thing for me about these pop-up shelters is 
they can be set up very quickly. I, I was working with the city not too long ago to help create a shelter, and it took about two and a half to three years to do. You've got neighborhood issues where nobody wants a big shelter in their backyard, so that delays the process. And even when you finally get it going a couple of years later, we don't have a couple of years to, to resolve this problem on your large unstreet, uh, unsheltered population, it costs millions of dollars to run these shelters. So pop-up shelters can be set up almost instantaneously. They have very low cost. And for me, the biggest benefit is that it brings people from the streets to a place that is safe where then case managers can work with them and help figure out how they can actually get them housed. If you're trying to find people in the woods and connect with them and develop trust, it's really hard because they're moving around a lot. But by having a regular place where people can stay and go, case managers can develop that trust and then start housing them. I would like to add on what Mark just said, and there's one word that I think we are totally, and I know we are totally missing in this conversation, and the word is stability. Mm. You know, we talk about how housing saves lives, we can't ignore that a big part of why housing saves lives is stability. People know there's a safe place that they can go, so they don't have to worry about that and can focus on other things. Yes, housing saves lives, but stability also does. And that is a huge part missing from our current housing solutions. That's right. Mm. Hey, Emily. Yes. To, to Mark's point about low cost, we have to be a housing first city, mm. not a shelter city. And when I interview people around our city, there's so much caring and support. I've spoke to senior leadership at TriMet. They're willing to, to pilot at zero cost. I've spoke to leaders at our neighborhood emergency teams. That is our thousands upon thousands strong of our volunteers that are readying and preparing for a catastrophic uh, event. They're willing to focus on setup and knockdown of these pop-up shelters at no cost. It's not about resources or money. It's about political will and willpower. Mm. We have to be able to provide a stable night's sleep. So we are ready. We just That's why I'm running for Portland City Council, because when I talk to others around the nation, I ask, what's the biggest roadblock for whatever program? And they always say it's council. And so if I were to be on council, now I have a seat at the table and we have got to improve the outcomes of all people in Portland. If you come to Portland, by all means, it's a beautiful, lovely city, but we're gonna take care of you and we're gonna help provide safe sleep, so. Thank you for that, Keith. Cameron, I wanna give you a chance to talk a little bit about Measure 26210. Uh, most folks have gotten their voter pamphlet at this point and Metro has a uh, a bond that is on the ballot about homeless services. It's on page M49 if you have your voter pamphlet in front of you. Uh, Cameron, what should folks know about this this policy, about this statute? Thank you, Emily. So folks should know that they should vote yes on this historic measure to invest in housing solutions. We know that we can solve homelessness and we know that the services that we need to solve homelessness are severely underfunded. Measure 2610 is, has created a historic co coalition where we have from housing providers to the Portland Business Alliance and the Portland Trailblazers. 
who have endorsed this campaign. We have never seen such a big coalition that is prepared to tackle one of the greatest challenges of our time, which is homelessness. So we know that we need to pass it, and we know that we need a regional solution. As I said earlier, I thank the city of Portland and Multnomah County for funding and being a leader around our safety net. And we know that the near complete total of homeless services that we fund, over 90% of all of our homeless safety net is funded in Multnomah County and the city of Portland. We need to see a regional solution. And so uh, this is an opportunity to pass $250 million a year to solve homelessness. And this is going to uh, you know, supportive housing. This is going to eviction preve preve prevention. This is going to uh, short-term rental assistance. And all of these things that not only are going to help people stay in the housing, but also help prevent homelessness in the first place. And so I urge folks to vote for this because if we don't, our problem is going to get worse. This is a preventative strategy so that this does not cost us more down the line. And ultimately, this is the moral thing to do. We love the Pacific Northwest. We love the community that is here. And part of what makes us unique is that we take care of our neighbors. Mm. So I urge you to vote yes on 2610. And Cameron, how do we pay for 26210? Yeah, so it is a hybrid financing me measure. Uh, a big part of the funding comes from uh, tax on our very highest income earners. And then there's also uh, a tax on our most profitable businesses who make over $5 million a year in revenue. Got it. And Keith, let our listeners know again about the town hall. How can they find it? How can they participate? You bet. So... There are two ways. Uh, Witten for Oregon is Cameron's website, and Keith for Portland is my website. You can sign up for the town hall there, and it is Thursday night at 7 p.m., and we're going to have Cameron, Mark, and I will be going in a more comprehensive fashion. And we really look forward to, you know, really tackling and truly talking about ending homelessness. And so, Mark's been great. So thank you for asking that too, Emily. I, I appreciate that. Of course. And Mark, last thing for you. What can Portland do to end houselessness in our community? Mark, are you there? I'm here. I'm sorry. Oh. I couldn't hear the question. I apologize. Oh, no worries. What can Portland do to end houselessness in our community? No small question. <laughs> well, um, having a big picture on how to do it. Pop-up shelters are the most immediate thing so we can get people off the streets, but preventing homelessness and the, the recent housing bond that was approved provides a lot of the housing that would be connecting with these services that Cameron described. So I think there, all the ingredients are there to actually reduce homelessness in Portland and over time getting closer to actually ending it. And I've seen that happen in other cities. Mm, wonderful. Keith, Cameron, Mark, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Good morning, Thank you. Thank you. Stay healthy. Thank you. Thank you. That's Keith Wilson, who's running for City Council Position 4, Cameron Witten. They are a candidate for Metro District 5, and Mark Johnson, former Assistant Secretary over, overseeing homelessness and other community development programs at HUD. The virtual town hall, again, this Thursday, April 30th at 7 p.m. You can find out more information at WittenforOregon.com or KeithForPortland.com.